Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 154 of Smart Enough to Know Better. My blood is already hot. That's true. Dan and I have been having a conversation. We're a podcast of science. And comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, we're going to interview an optometrist all about the eyes. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. But, 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 but what, Greg? But, What's going to happen next? What's well, going to happen I, before that bit? I, I want to talk about something that blew my mind in my week of science. If that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. Go to it. I, I, I'm a bit weirded out because we had these we poor having- listeners. Because j- just before, just before we started, I was like, I'm a bit worried that this microphone is like clipping a bit. I think I've worked out why. It's because I keep <laughs> screaming into it. And Dan and I have been having a nice conversation for the last half an hour before we started recording the podcast. Of course, so now we're all kind of g'd up, angry, and ready to fight everyone. But no one knows why. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a weird one, Dan. Yeah, it's gonna be fun a time. Fun time. They'll know why in the in the after show. Ah, when I just put the entire conversation in, and, then, and, and everyone <laughs> oh, no, listening will go. Mention, don't mention the dissolution and eating of the rich, Dan. Whatever you do, okay. They, 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 they get to the end. We listen to the podcast going. Oh, they're real riled up, and then they'll listen to the interview and go, "Oh no, it's all settled down." And then the 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 the, the tales <laughs> of the show, they'll be like, "Oh, they are. Ba- this is a roller coaster." And That's then it. they'll hear after the credits and go, "Ah, oh, okay, okay, so now brace, I understand." Brace yourself for that one, ladies and gentlemen. But my week of science, National Science Week in Australia, has just finished. By the time you hear this podcast, it would have finished. Hopefully, you went out and did some sort of National Science Week kind of thing, and. Me being a science communicator in my everyday job, I was involved in a lot of that, and I got to hear a lot of interesting facts and listen to interesting talks and see a lot of interesting things. And I heard something that made my mind bend about time, about, once again, how we think that the way things are now are the way things have always been, that your experience is the way that the everyone's experience has always been and everything's experience has always been. And, of course, that's just not true. But, we've, you know, we've been, we, we like to think that before we were born, the world looked just like it looked now. And after we die, it's going to look exactly the same. But well, things could change. more trees back then and fewer trees in the future. Well, <laughs> this is true. Or maybe more trees once a human race dies out, one or the other. But this is I actually... always envisage more vines. Ooh, vines mushrooms. take on. Mushrooms. This is the one that I – oh, there's a separate fact. There's an idea. I watched a great documentary about a, a um, like a dinosaur – like that, like a civilization-ending impact. It was like a – not a documentary, so I didn't <laughs> – but, a, but a, a mockumentary about something the size of the, the dinosaurs coming down and hitting hitting the earth. And the then size what of the dinosaurs? All size the dinosaurs? Dinos- all the dinosaurs put together on a big ball, Dan, the size, size of the asteroid that wiped out or comet that wiped out the, uh, the dinosaurs. And what would happen to human civilization? The answer is – uh, nothing good. But the, one you of the mean things the non-avian that, dinosaurs. Well, that's thank you very much. Very true. Very mm-hmm. true. One of the things I hadn't thought about: if you have a lot of horror in the air, you know, like dust and and gas and 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 clouds and blocking out the sun, you have like a nuclear winter-style event after everything's thrown into the atmosphere. You haven't got sunlight. That means it's time for the mushrooms, baby. Oh, um, 
And, and so mushrooms will just go, woo! And so for a couple of weeks after the impact, where it's not super hot and that sort of stuff, you'll just have all these trees dying and rotting and all these mushrooms going, yeah, we're back! And it will just be this mushrooms This will last everywhere. forever! <laughs> yes! This um, closed I, system will last forever! As a detritivore, I'm okay with this. Anyway, that, but that's not my fact. That was, that was something that's very cool. Yeah. What made me think what, – what blew my mind? I was thinking about dinosaurs because I like dinosaurs. I, you know, I, I'll admit I dinosaurs. Oh, I miss those days. Oh, I still, I still like them. They're, they're okay. There's still enough big stompy dinosaurs around town. It's all right. Just some of them have gone a little bit feathery. That's all. Now, dinosaurs first evolved about 250 million years ago. That's the first what we call a dinosaur, and they died out about 65 million years ago. So that's a long time to be, to be stomping around. Oh, yeah, they were here for ages. They, they absolutely. They did not write a lot of plays. No. Well, we don't know. All How, very maybe, basic. Maybe, maybe they were oral tradition. Maybe they were like, <laughs> asteroid. And then, you oh, we lost our oral tradition. Yep. All right. All right. Fair enough. We don't, it's, it's possible. That's not the fact either. This, what is my fact? My fact is... Please bring at least one fact. We're eight minutes in already. (laughs) So the dinosaurs did their thing. But grass only evolved about 55 million years ago. This means that dinosaurs never saw grass. Not just ferns everywhere. But but think about about it. (laughs) Yeah, grass is nuts. Grass is a... Grass is a vicious plant. It gets it everywhere. It is, and it's spread. We and we we like it, so we put it on our lawns. It's it spreads everywhere. So dinosaurs never saw grass. There were never grass eating dinosaurs ever. They might have been herbivorous dinosaurs, yeah, but yeah. not not grass dinosaurs. It just blew my mind. That really really freaked me out. Now grass. Uh, the, the best thing I heard about grass when I was learning this fact: grass and trees don't get on. They're not friends. Oh, grass isn't friends with anything. But. <laughs> As a homeowner, <laughs> grass is a cock. Grass is a cock. I I know that grass doesn't belong with dinosaurs because Disney brought out a film called Dinosaur, which was oh, yes. all CGI dinosaurs, but on videoed landscapes. And oh, okay. and then I remember at the time someone pointed out, "Hey, uh, all these dinosaurs are running around in a on a planet which is covered in grass because you can't get rid of grass in video. You'd have to yeah, change everything to ferns anyway." Words. Mm. And grass is everywhere because it's a dick. The, the, the fight between trees and grass is something I didn't realize. So trees want to grow big and tall yep. and they want to cover all the sun and they go, yay, and they take all the sun. So, of course, nothing reaches the ground. That's the no. point. They're, they're up there stealing all the sunlight so the stuff on the ground can go can go to hell, basically. It's, like, it's we almost don't care. like cheating. It's almost if they've worked out a way of in the third dimension. It's it's they're like or up, and they've done very well. Grass, of course, isn't when there is big grass. It's bamboo, but most of the time, grass sort of hangs around on a lower level doing its thing. So when trees die, like there's a fire or they get knocked down or whatever, grass goes we're in and it moves in real fast. Like it just takes over and basically stops everything else from growing. And that's the point. That's what it, it does its thing. It, it's a monoculture and, and it has its own. Well, not a monoculture. It's still animals. Anyway, it's it's. Grass does its thing and moves in. So there's always this war between grasslands and forests constantly battling each other. Who's going to win depending on the wetness and depending on the amount of carbon dioxide and nutrients. It's really, it's really vicious. It's a vicious cycle. Very weird. But that's not all, Dan. That's not the only fact. The other the thing that absolutely, absolutely broke my brain. Yeah. I found out that ants only evolved 140 million years ago. 
This means yeah. dinosaurs existed, and for about 100 million years, they were hanging around going, whoa, we're dinosaurs, whoa, we're dinosaurs. And then suddenly, boom, ants. 100 million years after you've been existing, so there's these things called ants. Now, ants have always been around, Dan, surely. Ants are just a thing that have always – so there were dinosaurs before there were ants. I can't – my brain, Dan, it hurt me. And then I realized there were there were ants before there was grass. I can't. I just. They must have hated when grass showed up. That, like that's, that's hard up, to navigate up, when you're that tall. And you're up and down and up and down and up and down. Like, oh. Anyway. Yeah. So, no, well, uh, yes, there are starts to everything. But come on. Everything can't... starts. Everything ends. Oh. But that's, that's, but the world wasn't like. The world wasn't like it. everything so, is transient, Greg. I look out Nothing the window. Nothing will last forever. <laughs> For a brief, beautiful moment, ants exist and then poof, they're gone again. Just they're like doing, everything they're, else. They're doing super well. They're, I not think for long. I think they're okay, Not Dan. for long, universally speaking, not for long, well, geologically speaking. A couple of hundred million years and then poof, they're gone. They haven't outdone the dinosaurs yet. They're getting there, they're getting close. But they're not there. Wait, yeah, no, they haven't. They haven't outdone the dinosaurs quite yet. They've got a couple of couple of tens of millions of years to go. And that's baseline. Well, yes, dinosaur time. Well, that's 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 the time they had. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. But most most and most things don't. Gone. Most things don't last that long because dinosaurs is not a thing. We've talked about podcasts before. Dinosaurs like there's no such thing as a fish, which someone should make a podcast. That's a great name. But there's no such thing as a dinosaur either. Like, they're separate animals that we've decided to call dinosaurs. They're not, you know, they're not. It's not like dinosaurs. Don't they have all the same ancestor, the same common ancestor? Well, we we all have the same common ancestor. Well, yes, but the same dinosaurian <laughs> ancestor. Like, it's not like yes. you had two different strands of creature that both turned into dinosaurs. But you could – it all depends. This is the problem with classifications. Do you actually say – we call them non-avian dinosaurs and avian dinosaurs. But some people go, but birds aren't dinosaurs. They're a, an alpha branch. It's an argument, which I don't feel that I have the, have the knowledge to go into. But these, these classifications aren't necessarily as cut and dried – I was thinking about this as well. Yeah, but the whole pit point about there being no such thing as a fish is that there is no individual proto-fish that all fish came from. They came from, like, they all evolved, like, six different types evolved separately and it's but all sort are, of into a fishy are, creature. there are jawed fish and there are there are original jawed ones and there were ones with bones. So that, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I, I don't know about dinosaurs. I don't know if you can go that thing before dinosaurs. I don't know enough. I'm not sure. I, it just – time, man! Time. Yeah. Time is yeah. time is I don't like it. I'm not I don't I wish it would stop immediately. Yeah. Just yeah. do you know that this podcast has been going for like nine years? Nine yes. years. Yes. Do you remember is very it? early in the podcast, Greg? Because we were talking about the dengue vaccine quite a bit. Oh yes, yes, because you were you were a cyborg not cyborg, you were an experiment who went off to try it. They wouldn't yeah. let me Tell me a bit more about what you recall about that. Oh, okay. So let me let me remember. You and I both went to try and be part of the dengue vaccine mm-hmm. uh, experiment. I couldn't. So I, we got blood tests. I got my blood test, but unfortunately, I, di- I didn't get past the first stages because I lived in North Queensland and there was dengue fever. So they couldn't tell ever if it if it was the if they gave me the vaccine whether the vaccine was helping or I just had a natural immunity because I lived in North Queensland. So they got mm. rid of me. But yeah. you, you were a perfect human specimen. How this started is you called me and said, "I'm joining this trial. Uh-huh. You should jump on board and we'll do it for the podcast as a team." Uh-huh. Yay! And then the 
first stage, you were like, oh, sorry, Dan, I'm out. And I get stuck with all the injections. <laughs> well, so, look, I, I meant well. I wanted to. I thought living in North Queensland would make me more useful, but I was wrong. I have had a follow-up letter from ah. the Malaria and Infectious Disease Institute. Are you okay? The CYD17 vaccine showed a high level of protection against dengue fever. Woohoo! In individuals who had previously been infected with dengue at least once. That's that's me, maybe. Correct. Uh-huh. A research group has recently identified that the vaccine may not produce a strong enough immune response in a person who had not had a natural <laughs> dengue infection at any time before. Guess, Gregoire, who falls into that group? <laughs> that would be you, Dan. They continue. Instead, the vaccine seems to be acting like a first infection, increasing the likelihood of experiencing severe Dengue fever infection if bitten by a dengue-infected mosquito <laughs> in the future. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you remember how you wrote me into this? But the, the you good news... Blame, you can't blame me for the fact that... The good news, Gregoire, <laughs> yes. is that dengue fever <laughs> is very rare in first world countries. In fact, the only Western first world country where it occurs is a place called Australia. <laughs> and even then, only in one state in Australia, <laughs> the state of Queensland. Where do I live, Gregoire? You live in Queensland, Australia, Dan. Okay. Also good news... Guess it's really only a danger to people who live near mosquitoes. <laughs> now, once again, without giving any information on where you live, because you don't like that, but you do live near swampy mangrove. My backyard is near. a water table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. There are ogres living out the back of my place. Okay. Now... <laughs> During a five-year period in 1,000 vaccine recipients, there were an extra five additional hospitalised cases occurred and two additional severe dengue cases. So only a slightly higher chance. I'm advised to be relaxed but alert to <laughs> symptoms of dengue fever. Advice, advice that would only be alarming to what sort of person, Gregoire? Hypochondriac. A hypochondriac, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I have this feeling. It's almost like a person dressed in a hazmat suit kicked in your door and went, Don't worry, you should not panic about anything ever again! And raced away, setting fire to everything around him with a flamethrower. I got a letter that I had to sign for. <laughs> I got registered mail. From the government. <laughs> no, not from the government, from Gallipoli Barracks. The Australian <laughs> Defence Force. You turn it over, the centre's name, Australian Defence Force, you're like, I didn't mean to invade any countries and I have no interest in eating the rich at all. <laughs> oh, so, so everything's worked out so well for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the, per the person who should be living in... 
in dengue fever infected Australia should be me because I'm the one who has, has most chance of surviving it again. And the person who shouldn't be is you. <laughs> I'm laughing because I love you. The actual good news oh, yeah. is that the vaccine efficiency is around 10 years and that is up in two years time. Uh, you can do it. The danger reduces with every passing day. Also, if I have any symptoms, the trial will pay for any treatments I need. Oh, okay. That's nice. Okay. All participants have fully recovered from their dengue infection. Oh, that's good then. You're going to be fine, little soldier. You're going to be fine. You did it for science. Sometimes science isn't pretty, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> I feel hot. Is that, <laughs> is that a fever? Is fever is fever's a, a symptom, right? Please welcome to the podcast our first optometrist on the podcast, Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey, great to be here. When I walk down the city streets in the afternoon and I'm walking around looking at the beautiful sunshine on many street corners, I now see optometrists. They're, they're everywhere, like pharmacies and optometrists. And I always wonder what mystical madness is going on inside these places. What, what is an optometrist? Well, we do different things depending where we are, but in general, we, we test eyes, we prescribe glasses, we prescribe contact lenses, we screen for eye conditions and diseases, um, and sometimes we might treat the conditions that pop up as well. So we're generally the first port of call for eyes for people, and then we might refer them on to other places if need be. So is an optometrist a doctor? No, we're not. We haven't done a medical degree at all. So there are doctors that then specialise in eyes and they're ophthalmologists, uh-huh. but we're, we're optometrists. We're a different based. Okay. So what, like a naturopath or a homeopathy sort of? No. But- no, no, somewhere between those. <laughs> what are you doing, Dan? <laughs> so we're pretty far away from, from that side of things. We like to be pretty evidence-based in, in terms of what, what we do. Oh, that sounds all right. <laughs> Oh, oh no, it's all going so badly in the first few minutes. <laughs> now, Greg, you described Ben as your optometrist. You, yes. you don't wear glasses. Who goes to an well, optometrist once and then has a regular optometrist if they don't come away from that first appointment with two great big windows stuck to their face? I must admit, I do now need to wear glasses as oh. reading glasses. <gasps> what? I know. What? I know. It's a shame. It's such a shame. Come and join the cyborgs. (laughs) I am farsighted. I'm sure Ben will correct me if if he remembers. But yes, I now should be wearing, I say should, be wearing glasses mainly when I'm using my computer at work because sometimes I get eye strain. And that's because I have stupid human jelly eyes and they're failing me as I get older, which is ridiculous. I'm not happy about it. It's always awkward when you see an optometrist and then they check up on you up on you on a podcast when you're not expecting it to see if you're doing the right thing. <laughs> yes, it, it is. <laughs> what have I done here? That's, That's why Greg insisted that we didn't have video for this call. He doesn't want to be seen that he's that he's not wearing his glasses and he's just squinting a lot. I just yeah, give me an evil side eye because I can't work out what I'm looking at. Yes. As an optometrist, what can you yeah, what can you discern about someone's health just by looking in their eyes? There's a fair few different eye conditions or health conditions that pop up with the eyes. Um, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol will all have eye indicators that will pop up. Not always. So if you see an optometrist, you should definitely still be seeing a doctor as well to check for those things. And then there's other changes in the eyes that have been shown to be associated with 
more likely of having like polyps in the intestine. Oh, you detect a polyp in the intestine by looking through the eyes. No, there's certain like eye changes we can see that make it more likely there might be a oh. polyp in someone. So you might encourage them to go get a get a checkup done. That's cool. So the whole system. Oh, okay. So changes in the eye lead to as an indicator of something else going on in the body somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they're, they're connected. They're connected to the body. I'm hmm. assuming we're not talking about sort of blobs of fat floating around behind the pupil, indicating high cholesterol. Like, what what sort of markers would there be? Um, the common thing we'll get is what call, what's called an arcus, which is like a, a white ring that starts to form around the, the very edge of the clear part of the other cornea. It's something that forms over time anyway. So if you look at old people, they'll or probably have one. But if we, if it's something we're seeing a younger person, often that might be associated with, with high cholesterol levels. Oh, so the eyes are a part of the brain, really. I mean, it's, it's the connection almost directly to the brain. It's so your brain has some idea of what's going on outside of itself. So is it, does the eye actually uh, show what's going on in the brain? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the optic nerve, which runs from the brain, sort of pops into the back of the eye. So I guess at times we'll see swelling in that nerve that might indicate sort of raised pressures in the brain itself. Or you might be seeing changes to how that nerve looks that might be a result of something else happening in the, in the brain as well. So there's definitely some connections there between the two. Okay. Look, I, I just realized now what, what I should be doing is just getting a free optometry session with you and asking lots of questions. <laughs> Hang on, which I'm going to do now. As I get older, I've noticed that I have more floaters in my eye. So when I was younger, you'd see the occasional, you know, those little shadowy things in your eye, and they kind of scoot around a bit. And as I've got older, they've increased. Now, not so that I'm blind or anything like that, but I've gone, oh, this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, there wouldn't be that many. Is is that normal? Am I okay? Am I am I fine? Ben, am I, I okay? So. Yeah. <laughs> We, we call them floaters as well as optometrists. It's a very, very technical name we've got, we've got for them. Um, but anything inside the jello, the eyes can actually cast a shadow on the back of the eye, which is what you're saying. And blue sky or a white background, they really tend to stand out quite a bit and be, can be quite distracting from what's happening. People often give them little names and things because they get to know them pretty well. So could it just be that Greg's staring out the window at clear blue skies more often these days? Might be. Yeah, well, maybe his bosses don't listen to this podcast. Um, I don't have any windows. I'm very lucky. I have no Um, windows. (laughs) Often we do get more and more floaters as we do get older. Sometimes they can be associated with other things as well. So if you get a whole bunch of new ones, definitely go see your friend optometrist on the the corner. Yes. Okay. So I'm not not worried about my floaters anymore, thank goodness. I once read somewhere there was a camera – aficionado who said that their camera was as bad as the human eye that they would ask for their money back what's your take on that um yeah i guess eyes are quite often compared with cameras because it's got a lot of the same components to it so it's got a lens that all the light focuses through and then it's got the retina which is like the film of a camera which is like collecting all the information the real limiting factor in terms of the human eye is actually the aberrations that get introduced as the light goes through to that film at the back of it essentially so they've often done studies into what the best possible vision is for someone and it's actually a lot better than what people get currently if they were able to correct for all those aberrations the human eye currently has in it maybe if we can uh, replace it with your friend's camera it would be a lot better <laughs> well this has always been my plan is just to get <laughs> robot eyes one of the cool things about modern sci-fi is everyone seems to have robot eyes like big cybernetic eyes coming out of their face i was like yes <laughs> i'd have to retrain but surely a camera only has to be as good as the human eye because if it was better then your eye still couldn't see it that it's better 
than the eye because the eye is looking through the eye. <laughs> it's true, but you can always blow pictures up really big into more and more and more detail, I suppose. Mm. I actually heard an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, the, the animated Lego movie, that movie was shot with a whole new graphics interface thing. I don't understand it all. It could do 30 f-stops between the different shading which is much more than the human eye can do and what that meant is they could have a character in the foreground in full sunlight and a character in the background in darkness but you could still see them perfectly it's much better than the eye could see but it meant no point were you looking at that and thinking the lighting was wrong having it better than the than the human eye can actually handle sometimes is useful it was a great movie it looked great to me that's that's my optometry opinion on a, <laughs> on that on the Lego movie. I only wish that the writers had vision. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Now, Dan, are you blind? <laughs> Do you use, use glasses? I have a slight nearsightedness. Ah. But not very, it's not very strong. I could still drive with my glasses off, but not well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> It makes it much, much more interesting. Right. Just, yeah, just, just call me before you go on the road, maybe, there, Dan. <laughs> I'll see if Every I can time. get the number right. <laughs> Dan sitting in his car, madly mushing at the, oh, damn it, I can't make it work. And it turns out that I'm just I'm pressing on a box of cigarettes or something. <laughs> that's not how nearsightedness works. That, I can <laughs> see cigarette butt boxes. <laughs> Mr. Magoo, huh? Now, I've heard rumours that sometimes when people get eye surgery for, is it cataracts, that they can see slightly into the, into the ultraviolet. I haven't actually come across that one. With cataract surgery, they do remove the, the lens inside the eye, which has typically got more and more and more yellow over time. So when they take it out, people often perceive the world as being much more blue than what it was previous to the um, surgery being done. They've looked at old painters and their pictures before and after cataract surgery to see the changes of colour in them as well. Oh, okay. So, uh, but, so you're but, seeing... Hang on, hang on, hang on. But the painters would be using... The, their paints would look bluer as well when they were painting with them. But maybe, Dan, maybe when you're painting a painting, like, like a, some sort of beautiful abstract picture, you may say, ah, that flower over there, that looks quite yellow. I'll use a yellow pigment. Yes. But now that you've got your cataracts gone, you yep. go, that flower looks very blue. blue. I'll use a blue pigment. But, the, but, to get, but if it's the same pigment as the flower, then it's the same yellow as before because now you're, all but, your pigments are bluer. But artists are inherently liars and they normally... <laughs> They normally overemphasize. Artists what they're are the painting. only ones who 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 connect with the truth. Bloody physicists think they I run know. the universe. <laughs> <laughs> we don't run the universe, but we we write down the rules that everyone else uses, should use at all times. Anyway, enough about us. Okay, enough of arguing about the, the meaning of artistic <laughs> truth. We have an optometrist on the line. Goodness sakes. So has there, have you ever dealt with a subject, a subject, <laughs> a patient, uh, a, client, a, a human being, uh, where you've gone, let me look in your eyes. Oh, no, go to a hospital immediately before everyone dies. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely people we refer on urgently all the time to hospitals, often with eye-related stuff, so like retinal detachment, which is where the retina at the back of the eye is coming away and needs to be urgently reattached. Um, to preserve vision. So, hang on. Wait, uh, when you say it's coming away, is it, you mean the layer of all of those little tiny detectors is coming away from the back of the eyeball itself? 
Yeah, it's like peeling, peeling away from it. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> What's going on? Why? Why was this happening? Is that like an injury, like you get hit in the head or something like that? or you? Yeah, it can, can be. It can be injury-related. It can be there was a little weakness there at some point, but it's just gradually got to a point where it's broken away. And it's flaking away like old paint. Okay, how would I know this? I'm, I'm really nervous now. How do I know it's not happening right now? Well, you'd be noticing your vision would be dropping away. So it's almost like a grey curtain falling across your vision in quite extreme cases. And often it's accompanied with lots and lots of new floaters in the eye. And flashing lights a lot of the time as well, because all the cells that fire and let you know there's light also mm. fire when there's mechanical movement as well. They just don't actually have any light they're saying, but they'll still register it. So if you suddenly, if you're in a darkened room and you suddenly you think you're in a balloon-filled rave, go see an optometrist <laughs> straight away. That's Probably an idea, to... or if, if it sounds very similar to that, you could even bypass us and, and head to the hospital as well. Good, good point. Good <laughs> point. Get to a hospital, everyone. <laughs> First port of call, get directly to a hospital. Now, this curtain of grey, does it come down vertically, like at a theatre of horror, or does it come in side to side, (laughs) like just a normal bedroom window of horror? It depends where the detachment is sort of coming from, whether it's coming from the the top or the the bottom. Well, wait, if it was coming from the top, wouldn't the detachment be from the bottom of the eyeball because it was... Exactly, yeah, so... Ooh. That's it, yeah. So if it's the uh, retina's falling from the, the top of the eye, you'd be noticing the, the curtain sort of rising up and vice versa if it was coming from the uh, from the bottom, it was like the end of a end of a stage show then in that case. <laughs> it's, it's the oh the, and the sh- the end of the show you're seeing is your vision. Uh, <laughs> mm, great. Five stars. I've been told that if you turn someone upside down for long periods of time that the vision will in the end correct the other way around because the brain will realize it's upside down. Have you heard of that one before? Not turning someone upside down, but definitely with experiments with actually wearing glasses that flip everything upside down. I think a couple of weeks, the brain would actually flip everything the right way up again. (laughs) And then when they took the glasses off, everything was upside down for them. And it took a similar amount of time for it to sort of reverse the effect back (laughs) back the other way. Can you imagine the brain going... Okay, what? Okay, okay, fine. We'll do it. Fine, fine. I'll flip it. I'll flip it. You want it? I'll flip it. Great. What are you doing now? What's the, why are we back the other way? Like, uh, poor brain. What is this, all it wants to do is, I don't know, actually I don't know what it wants to do. What does the brain want to do? Find truth. Art. Find truth. Oh, no, no, not true. Make up lies and paint them <laughs> on a wall. <laughs> we're going back there. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure those experiments were done over a couple of weeks. I don't think you want someone like holding you upside down for a couple of weeks to get the uh, get the same effect. I think the uh, the glasses are probably the way to go there. Yeah, you'd, oh, man, you'd learn some much more interesting things about blood pressure if you're hung <laughs> upside down for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go talk to my father now. He's done terrible things to me as a child. <laughs> He's telling me lies. He's terrible, done science lies. to you as a child. <laughs> Inflicted science. Unlike that art rubbish. Dan, do you have any more questions? Oh, no, i got heaps of questions. When I go to the optometrist, the first thing that you guys make me do is sit and stick my head in a machine and then puff me in the eye with a blast of air. What's going on there? Oh, that's just <laughs> really entertaining for us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blink. Don't he blinked again? <laughs> and and um, it actually checks the um the, the eye pressure inside the eye. So the pressure of the liquid inside the eye is what it's measuring. It actually looks at how much that little puff of air like indents the front of the eye when it hits it, and then works out the eye pressure based on that. So the 
the less the iron dents from that puff of air, the higher the pressure is. Oh, so does wow. that mean in the, in the past you would have had to have, like, poked me in the eye? Yeah, yes. And uh, that's still a perfectly legitimate method that's done, not without what? fingers. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, but there's little um, little probes that you use and you anaesthetise the eye and you sort of put pressure on that probe a to work stick, out a what A poke in the eye with a sharp stick is what you're <laughs> no. referring to there. That's right. Not a sharp stick, surely. So, so you push so, against the eye, and then, and that allows you to check the pressure. Okay, right. Now, I mean, is that the is yeah. that the the pressure of the fluid inside the eye, or is that how full the eye is with fluid? It's uh, yeah, the pressure of the the fluid inside the eye. How much pressure that's sort of pushing out on the outside of the eye. So, I guess the the more full the eye is, the higher the pressure would be. Same as the more full. Higher is the higher the pressure is. How often is that fluid replaced in the eye? It's constantly going in, in and out all the time. Okay. So it's been pumped in and constantly drained out as oh. well. How? Where? Where? What? How? Where? <laughs> I thought I thought it was a closed unit. No, no, it's uh, yeah, constantly heading heading in and out. It's called the aqueous humor. This liquid and it's um, produced by the ciliary body, which is just in behind the iris, and it's drained out in the, the front portion of the eye what? around the very edges. Oh, my goodness. Around the iris, there is liquid leaking out of my eye. It's a little drainage system that's yeah, draining draining it out, draining it out of the eye. That's not where tears come from, though, is it? That's something totally different. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, yeah, totally different. Okay, so when, you're, so when you're crying, you're not draining your eyeballs, what you were trying to say here. <laughs> yes, sure. Good, good, <laughs> excellent. That just worried me for a moment. That's something. I cried so much, my eyes turned into raisins. <laughs> That's very sad. Hang on. So can the eyes therefore get too much pressure in them and explode or something exciting like that or rupture? I'm not sure what the rupture level would be for the <laughs> eye, but certainly if the pressure gets high enough, that's when people start to get conditions like glaucoma. Or if it was to get really high all of a sudden, people start getting nauseous and they get painful and start seeing halos around light. Yes. Um, but I haven't come across an exploding eye at all at my job yet. I once, <laughs> I once saw a documentary called Total Recall, and Arnold Schwarzenegger went to Mars, and his eyes suddenly started to bug out a lot. So then maybe that's what'll happen. <laughs> so I, what's what's offensive about that is it's bad physics and it's bad optometry. It's just yeah, they don't take optometrists into account much when they're making movies at all. Have you ever watched a movie or TV show where someone obviously knew something about optometry that you went, oh my goodness, they've consulted an optometrist? But they've consulted an optometrist. I can think of plenty of examples when I haven't consulted. <laughs> yeah, like, like Total Recall. <laughs> Total Recall is probably a good one. Uh, the like New Planet of the Eight movies that came out. Oh, yes. they, like a, a scene where they're testing, I think, Caesar's eyes, and just the way they're using the equipment is completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> I guess for the fraction of the percentage of the audience that actually cared about that, it, it, it did look pretty cool with all the things I had flipped down at the time. <laughs> I like the idea that you were sitting there going, oh, that monkey that has human intelligence, this movie is totally wrong. Look how he's using that equipment to test that human-level intelligence monkey that's riding a tank on a horse and fighting humanity. That's totally wrong. Just a really bad optometrist is the, uh, the other option. They just had a bad optometrist for Caesar. <laughs> and that's the real story. That's the <laughs> Yeah. Well, they they hide them from the same place they got the security guards from, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> Not 
uh, so nowadays with physicists, we get, we kind of get sexy physicists. Like Keanu Reeves did a movie where he was a particle physicist and called Chain Reaction many years ago. He was like a sexy physicist. Has there ever been a sexy optometrist in movies or TV? I'm I'm struggling to think of a movie or TV where there's a main character who's an optometrist. Mm. Mm. That's very sad, That's- isn't it? Yeah, I think we're always like a peripheral character giving like George and Seinfeld like women's glasses or something like that. Uh, <laughs> so is, is optometry, do you think optometrists is a, considered a comedic profession? Probably hmm. must be. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't considered it to now, but I've got a lot to think about once, this, uh, once we hang oh, up. Greg, what have you done? <laughs> I feel bad now. I feel bad. I'm sorry. It's interesting how you know, how different jobs are perceived in life. That's interesting. When did you know you wanted to be an optometrist? It's it's an interesting job to take on. But what made you go? I want to poke people in the eye with a blunt stick, and help them. You know, not just <laughs> in, in in one order or the other. There. <laughs> I think I was like late in late in high school. I liked I liked health professions and optometry was a health profession that didn't involve blood everywhere and I didn't really like blood, so it seemed like a really nice clean option to do. Not too many explosions, I guess. That's that's as far as you've noticed so far. Not that I've come across. <laughs> if there's exploding eyes, I'm doing my job wrong. <laughs> so when I sit down in the big chair and you're trying to work out what exactly is wrong with my eye, what sort of things help you hone in on the exact prescription of each eye well we always start with a, a history like talking to someone and seeing what they've got to say about things but in terms of the actual prescription itself we end up getting a few different measurements of it one thing you might remember happening when you go see the optometrist is often they put the big thing with the lenses in front of your head yeah and they'll shine a light through it at your eyes and they're actually looking at how the light reflects back out of the eye and oh, putting wow. lenses in front to try to work out what the prescription is based on that so often we've got a pretty good idea of where we're going before we start asking any questions at all oh hmm. neat yeah if we're looking at young kids often that light reflex is always sort of basing the prescription off because they can't actually say much to us you know that the whole that leads on to the whole clearer not clearer thing Exactly. Yeah. Okay. First one, second one, first one, second one. Do you ever do you ever want to break that mold? Do you ever want to go? I'm gonna I'm gonna call it oranges apples. We're gonna go crazy today. I've considered it, but I'm pretty happy just counting to two all day. It it works. It works. (laughs) Easy to remember. Like a roadie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a backup career. All right, another question. I assume the I know the answer to this already, but the fluid in the eyeball is it completely transparent? It should be. Ah, what can go wrong? It it should it should be clear to let all the all the light through to the uh, through to the back of it. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, Yeah, often there can be sort of pigment in it. If you had infections, there'd be little white blood cells and other things floating around in it as well. Ah. Um, But, yeah, ideally you want everything to be clear for the the light to pass through. Ah. That's one sense, whether it's transparent. Much more interesting to me is what does it taste like? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. You didn't fall for my trap. Well done. If it, is it well? I mean, again, not tasting it though. But is it is it a salty solution? Is it a, a basic solution? Would it be acidic? Like, was it neutral? Like, we, what what is aqueous humor like? What is it? Yeah, it's got a lot of nutrients and things in it heading into the eye. 
so that's what it's it, it's giving to the eye in so terms sugars? of kind of figuring out the would taste based on that. <laughs> I would guess salty. That's my best possible guess, okay. but I've got no idea. <laughs> that's fair enough. I've I've never looked at one of my patients' eyes and think I wonder what that tastes like. It just that's, hasn't crossed my mind before. That's, no, look, I, I, that's why you're the optometrist, and Greg's not allowed to be. And I'm not allowed to lick random strangers' eyes. That's fair enough. I think these are all good rules in life. I've got a, a mole on the back of one of my eyeballs. So what? If yeah, the optometrist takes a photo of the back of my retina, and they can see like a big dark spot in it, which is a mole, like inside my body. Now, if that becomes precancerous, it has to be sort of taken out. How do you cut something off the eyeball, and wouldn't the eyeball deflate? Go all saggy like an old beach ball. In in terms of any surgeries with the eyes, they're often sort of cutting into them, and they'll generally have extra liquid being pumped in as they do their surgery as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically with cancer in the eye, they'll often treat them with little radioactive plaques. They might sort of sew onto the onto the back of the eye, but in quite extreme cases, they might just have to remove the entire eye to get rid of it. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I was pretty sure I didn't want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> But a lot of people have little freckles at the back of the eye that are being um, being monitored by optometrists. It's not uncommon at all. Mm. All right. Okay, okay. My final question on my list. I sometimes wear contact lenses, and on occasions they go around the back of my eye. Ah, what? Like it goes <laughs> around. It, goes, it falls off my, my, my iris and goes around the back of the eye, and I can't oh. get it out. Oh, so, <laughs> No, that's upset me. Yeah. Oh. Can, can that, like, oh. get into my blood supply and, like, end up in my heart? Like, is it an open <laughs> system back there? How does oh. that all work mechanically? So it can't get right up behind the eye. So essentially the lids join onto the eye itself, so they can get caught up under the lids is probably the worst possible situation. A lot of people have fears of contact lenses ending up in their brain or just <laughs> accumulating contact lenses behind their eyes. I have fears <laughs> about anything ending up in my brain. Um, but it, it physically can't actually happen. They can get stuck under the lids, probably the um, the hardest place to get them out of for, for somebody. Oh, oh, that's, oh no. No, no. That's, it's just one of those. It's not good. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, no, don't worry, Greg. I've, I, I've recovered most of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's very upsetting. Um, okay, there was, there was the one lady in the news. I think oh. last year they had the twenty-seven contact lenses under her eyelid when she went in for cataract surgery. What are you? What? Wow! Are you they, they had to call out, call off the surgery. They were too fixated trying to pull out all the contact lenses, and then decided it wasn't sterile enough to proceed with anything else at, at that point. So, hey, well, is that because she didn't realise she had to take them out every day or every, or she just lost them and went, oh, well, they've obviously just fallen out of my eye? Like, or was she storing them for winter? <laughs> just, I, th- I think everyone was legitimately confused what was happening there. It did like, make worldwide news. That's – what is – see, wait, how do we not know? This, oh, Maybe it's like there's people who, like, eat their own hair and, like, accumulate a hairball inside them and this person's just doing the same thing, collecting contact lenses and – it makes her feel like she's gaining in focusing power. <laughs> okay, that's um, that's quite that's quite horrible. Um, we aim to please. Oh, oh uh, it's yes, it's like um, a was it a bazoa? A bazoa? Yes, like the hairballs in, in your gut. Got a bazoa, but it's one in your eye. I'm upset now. 
It's all terrible. I just this is the thing. Eyeballs are so sensitive. You don't touch them. You got to look after your eyes. Look, you know, make sure they're hydrated and all the rest. And so, anytime things happen to the eye, I find it really upsetting. Like it's really you hear about people having like like cutting their eyes, and you go, oh god, it's just the worst thing in the world. I just ah, I'm flapping my arms like a chicken right now because it's just the worst. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I got a lot of control. All right. Awful. Well, why don't we calm down and <sighs> discuss a different subject about eyes that's a little bit more calming and a little bit more sensible and not quite as horrifying? Greg, you had an yes. idea. I do. I've got one. In Ben, in many movies and in many TV shows, sometimes there is like an impregnable base. And it, like the base can't be attacked, can't be blown up, and it can't be infiltrated in any way. And so the bad guy goes, I know what I'll do. I'm going to break into it by going through the retinal scan. I'm going to go find someone, and I'm going to pluck out their eyeball from their head and put it up to the retina scan. This was seen, the one I'm thinking of recently was in the Avengers movie, 2012. So Loki gets this big claw thing and he slams into some poor guy's face and then they use that eye to break into shields headquarters i think and i i was wondering that happens a lot james bond's done it everyone seems to do this terrible (laughs) thing it's like but is it even vaguely possible that if i was a poor security guard minimum wage security guard i turn around and i get my basically head knocked on and they rip my eyeball out and use it to break in somewhere with a retinal scanner what's your expert medical advice on this (laughs) My expert optometry opinion. Oh, sorry. On, yes, on, yes, that's right. I'm sorry. Yes, on on breaking into into shield with a uh, with a security guard's poor eye. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Well, <laughs> I think I'm hoping that for Avengers, they they went and talked to an optometrist whether this is possible. I mean, it's a, they had like a hundred million dollars to make the movie or three hundred million dollars, whatever it was. They could have they could have really got their science done. So for the next Avengers, Avengers, it keeps going, going and going and going, whatever you're going to call it. If they have to do that, is it is it possible? Well, you've probably got a, f- a few things working against you there. So what a retinal scanner looks at is the pattern of the blood vessels at the inside of the eye, which is unique for everyone. It's not related to your DNA at all. So twins have dif- different retinal blood vessel patterns, patterns, and it's quite a sensitive test so, as well. So my, my evil twin, if I go work for S.H.I.E.L.D., my evil twin can't break in using their eyeball. Yeah, I hadn't considered that, but yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay, that's, so you, look, that's, it's, an, it's an evil twin-proof way of securing your base. You hear that, evil twin? You hear that, you <laughs> bastard? Anyway, sorry, I just had to yell at a random stranger. It's fine. Sure, sure. The other one's the evil one. Shut up, Dan. Certain diseases can change blood vessels in the eye, so people with, with diabetes can often get changes to their blood vessels, and that's enough to throw off retinal scanners so they don't <gasps> pick up on people correctly. Oh, no. Could you imagine that in a movie? you got, like, General Five Bar, and he walks up to the machine, and it's like, beep, bop. Well, hang on, let me try that again. Beep, bop. What's going on? And then the doctor comes out going, I have some terrible news, General Five Bar. You should, you should go tell your wife that you need to go to hospital immediately. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's just like, oh, no. Yes, you've got type 2 diabetes. Ah! And by the way, Loki's here. Ah! Anyway, That's why henchmen are all the same sort of six foot two strapping fit bodies. Mm. They've, they've passed the medical so they can just keep using the retinal scan and then they're in yep. their entire <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense. 
Okay, so diabetes um, can stop it. Okay, right. Yeah. The the other thing that might affect the integrity of blood vessels is having your eye physically ripped out of your head. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, okay. I imagine that might just sort of change the makeup a little bit back there, um, such that you might throw off the very sensitive retinal scanner. <laughs> okay. So you so need to be real delicate in plucking that eyeball out. <laughs> so Loki really, I mean, he has a big clawy thing. It remembers that 2012 Avengers movie. It's a really big claw, and he slams it into that man's head really hard. Like, but he, very... but is it a fair way behind the eyeball so he can just sort of go snick on the, uh, the retinal cord? And then really gently and carefully pluck With the some eyeball lo- out. Loki surgical skills. That's right. <laughs> the other thing that's probably working against Loki then is um, he's got to get to the retinal scanner pretty quickly because the cornea is going to start going hazy. Oh, really? Well. No, no. Why does it go hazy? Because it's not getting all the the oxygen and nutrients and everything that it needs anymore. Oh, so it has to. So it's dying. Okay, so would this work then if Loki was there pulling out the man's eye and I was one of his henchmen, although I'm not probably fit enough now, I realise, but if I really, really worked on my core strength and got back into running a lot more and you know, really sort of worked my, work on my physical self, if he then like plucked out one of my eyes and shoved the other guy's eye in there just to keep it going for a while, would that work? <laughs> yeah, so that would probably be the first documented case of an eye transplant at that point. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, Loki's pretty good. Like, I, hmm. he's got some yes. good skills. Okay. Could, so could you, you just you're, you're... run saline through it to keep through it clear? The, uh, I think it's going to be the lack of blood and other essential things okay. for, for life. So I feel, uh... I feel that Loki's made a mistake there. Okay, so that's all right. Let's, let's, let's help Loki out a bit, Yeah, because we're obviously all on Team Loki at this point. Would it therefore be a better idea to cut the head off? Just like cut it off and and just take the whole head and like pry open the the, the lids and like make it look in that way. <laughs> well, I think I think Avengers has just lost its PG rating at, at that point. <laughs> That's true. Disney's like, oh no, <laughs> it's it's the Deadpool version. Once upon an Avengers. Uh, I think that'd have a better a better chance of working. Um, I think if you move pretty quickly with it, you get you get the head there quickly enough that the cornea is still nice and clear. The blood vessels aren't going to be great forever at the back of the eye because there's no blood pumping through there anymore, so it may not work for you. Yes. So you want to take so the heart to... with it. So what yes. you do is you cut the you cut his arms and legs off and you just take the head and the torso. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's Yes. Look, that seems like an, a sensible thing. And Loki's pretty strong. He can do that. Right. I guess then let's, let's not resort to murder then. If you just knock them on the head and spirit him away... You have to be awake to use them, do you think? Or being unconscious, would that mean it wouldn't work as well? Uh, yeah, your main challenge there is just getting them to look in the same spot for long enough. So the retinal scan, from my understanding, isn't instantaneous. It takes quite a few seconds of them looking in a very exact position to get the scan. But if you're pretty good at holding a head and you can get the eye <laughs> looking in the right spot... you practicing. You might, you might have a shot there. I love the idea that there's, there's a scene in the Avengers director's cut <laughs> And it's Loki just talking to Dan, going, Dan, have you been practicing with the human head? <laughs> Wait, so like, hang no, on, no, no. hang on. So, I, so I'm holding the head and trying to keep the eye from flickering, flicking around. 
Yes, yes, we've we've discussed this, Dan. For goodness sakes, just keep practicing on this retina scanner. My entire plan of destroying the Avengers relies when, when, on you. When I hold the eyeball between my thumb and forefinger, it distorts and it won't read. But if I take my fingers off, it just the eyes start to droop down because he's already dead. Well, maybe maybe if I give you a paddle pop stick, you can push that into the eye on the side just to hold it in place. Wait, hang on, where's where's Ben? We need Ben the optometrist to answer this question. Oh no, he won't be involved in this. He's worried about the legal ramifications. I was hoping I finally had a like a good starring role for an optometrist in the movie, but okay. <laughs> I think there should be more optometrists in movies. Immediately. Bring me Doctor oh, Eyeballs. <laughs> Well, actually, sir, they're not doctors. They're optometrists. It's not a... Be quiet, fool! Get out well, of I here, Dr. Naturopath! <laughs> we have solved the issue, finally. All those movies are wrong. Once again, art has lied to us, Dan. Just going to point that out there. Borders are sort of a man-made construct, as are doors and locks. So maybe that's the real truth. That got meta. That got, that got deep. Philosophical? Yeah? Yes, that was that was good. Um, now, before, before our... Our a guest just just hangs up on us. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ben, for joining us to, uh, today and for teaching us all about optometry and pointing out all the problems with Avengers, which I think everyone needed to hear. Thank you very much to Ben for answering all of our questions, even the dopey ones. <laughs> now we're going to do the Walk of Shame. Woo-hoo. In the Walk of Shame, you, our listeners, listen intently to our incredibly well-researched and genius discussions, and you find the small but critical errors within, and you point them out to us so that everyone can better themselves. Greg, do you have any walks for me to do today? Yes, uh, from listener Al. Al Batson? uh, Yes, in episode 146, Dan said trains... Just just the one from Al Batson? A couple. (laughs) <laughs> a couple, a couple. Because all of my walk of shames are from Al Batson as well. <laughs> I see. Al Damn Batson you, Al. has Al. never sent in a walk of shame before. Mm. But he also points out he's just caught up on the podcast and he's been accumulating them. There is a tidal wave <laughs> of walk of shames from a single reckless individual. <laughs> in episode 146, Dan said trains don't have cylinders. The context makes it sound like he's referring to a steam engine. If this is the case, then he has made an error. The steam from the boiler enters the cylinder with a piston. The steam pushes the piston along the cylinder, providing mechanical force. If he means any type of internal combustion-powered train, however, he's still incorrect. They do use pistons. There you go. Cylinders, sorry. Not pistons. Sorry, but cylinders. There you go. Why did so, I yeah. say that trains don't, don't have cylinders? We say a lot of strange things on the podcast. Trains we, are cylinders. Yes, it's just a big, it is. Big I, cylinders. Yep. Yeah, I know, look, I know, I know. And in episode 147, also from Al, not really a walk of shame, but just an interesting point, we were having a discussion. We weren't too sure whether or not humans could catch koala chlamydia. And both you and I were like, well, we don't really know. So yeah. Al went and did the investigation. Yeah. And the answer is yes and no. So yes, if you f*** them. No, if you don't. No, that is exactly wrong. Oh. <laughs> You're a different sort. So wait, of- I have to go f- koala so I don't get koala chlamydia? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'll that's put my pants not- back on then. That's good. Thank you. There are three different types of koala chlamydia and different sorts of chlamydia around the world, but three different types. One 
is uh, Sataki. Oh, that's not can't be. That can't be how it's pronounced. Should I look this up? I always mock Dan for saying things wrong, and now I know what it feels like. Oh, damn it. So it's basically this is the one that kills most. It's very lethal to koalas, and we can't capture get that one at all. The strain will kill them. We can't get that one. There's one called Chlamydia pecorum, and it's the most widespread of all the chlamydia strains. It's a urinary tract infection. We can't get that one either. So even if you had sex with a koala, you're not going to catch it. But there's another one called Chlamydia pneumonia, and it's community acquired pneumonia. It's not sexually transmitted chlamydia. So it's but it's. It's one that can be sneezed out, and it can be transmitted to humans. So if you go cuddle a lovely koala and it goes on you, you could catch chlamydia from a koala. So you just end up with a head cold? I don't that's know. Called chlamydia? Or do, I, you, or do you get sneezed up by a koala and then your, your cock swells up? This is... Drops off. Oh, actually, no, 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 I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It's not a sneeze. If an infected koala urinates, if it pees on you, they can transmit that type of chlamydia to the person. It is one of the leading causes of pneumonia in the world. There we go. Chlamydia pneumonia. I'm horrified that you confuse sneezes with urine, urination on people. Don't you yuck my yum, sir. How dare right. you? All right. Sorry for the kink shaming. <laughs> That's We don't do that on the podcast. All right. it's, not, it's not our thing. Now, what horror have I inflicted on the world that Al has found? Okay. Podcast 146, same when I messed up on the trains. Greg says, HIV has to be passed sexually. This instantly discounts contaminated blood confusions, cross-placental infection, blood-to-blood through sharing needles, Mm. or through sports injuries player-to-player. Oddly Mm. enough, we delved in a lot deeper into HIV communication in episode 151. Mm. That's a good point. I don't know why I said that. That's very strange. Thank you, Al. Very true. Speaking of episode 151, (laughs) Greg refers twice to the cordyceps virus affecting ants. Mm. But cordyceps is not a virus. It is a fungus. Oh, Oh, of course. It is. Yes, it is. Yes. I'm terrible with biology. It it is such a weakness of mine. I admit that. Wow. Thank you, Al. Okay. And episode 152, Greg stated that (laughs) Kepler was pre-telescopes. The telescope was invented in 1608 and used by Galileo from 1609. Kepler Mm. lived 1571 to 1630. And according to Wikipedia, in 1610, Kepler published his own telescopic observations of the moons in (laughs) Noracio de Jovis Satellititibus. Yes, that is technically correct. The best kind of correct. Yes, I, I guess... I guess so. Well, I, I, no, I, no, because te- technically, technically, Kepler was pre-telescopes. He was, but and he was post, also post-telescope. post-telescopes. Yes, his his amazing his big work was done pre-telescope. So his his three laws of motion and that sort of stuff were pre-telescope work. And the fact is, he had terrible vision. He was he had a a medical condition that ruined his eyes, gave him cataracts, I do believe, and he couldn't even see the sky that he was talking about. And so he had very, very bad vision as quite a young man, a very young man indeed. So, yes, I stand corrected. At the end of his life, there were telescopes. But when he was doing most of his good work, he was telescope-less. Thank you very much to Al Batson (laughs) for uh, really just loading up an entire chamber and letting fly (laughs) with the shotgun of truth. (laughs) Right into the heart of our podcast. But, uh, yeah, he really had a go at you. I bet you're really looking forward to us insulting him. At the end of the show. Yes, yeah. Good. He also yeah. said we don't need to do that anymore. Oh. So he will go into the he will be into the group of compliments. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe I'll just maybe I'll just do it for free. Oh, now the gloves are off. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to our very fast-loading webpage, smartenough.org. It's like it's covered in butter. It's buttery smooth. Silky smooth. You can subscribe on RSS feeds or through uh, Apple. Wherever podcasts are found. They know how to find podcasts. If if you're listening to the podcast, you probably know how to find podcasts. You probably know how to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just Uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Can you tell your friends, please? Hey, you. Yeah, you. Tell your friends. Aggressively. Uh, Just yell. Find a friend and yell at them. T-shirts? Listen to, listen to smartenough.org. Oh. Buy a T-shirt if you if you like T-shirts. Oh, yeah. We have, some, we have two really nice T-shirts. If you don't like wearing shirts, send us a picture of yourself topless. No, no. That, don't. No. No? That's not, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do, do that. not do that. No. Please um, don't. Send, send oh. Greg at no. smartenough. No. Stop it. I don't. No. If you would like to support the podcast, as Greg points out, please share us with uh, people who would enjoy it. Or and not. Anyone. How do you know? How do you know what they might enjoy? Don't yeah, you- don't judge them. Don't, don't you kink judge shame them. them. Yeah, they could right. want to listen to all sorts of horrendous stuff like this. <laughs> it's smart enough for kink now. Are we in kink? That's interesting. Oh, look, wait until after the, the end of the podcast in the post-credits stuff. <laughs> If you want to support us, you can drop money into our PayPal account or support us on Patreon. Yeah. You can support us on the lowest level tier, which is $2 a month US Ooh. and nothing happens. I mean, we get the money. You know, someone someone actually has joined up and they only put $1. I've chosen $1 and I'm happy. That's fine. That's okay. They made that decision. Well done them. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look you at can... the thing and I'm like, what is he? He's not even on, on a tier. He's like no. a... He's a free-floating dude or dudette. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I kind of want to. I want kind of want to have him go at him for being such a cheap state. No, but, no, no. But there are like nine hundred and forty people who didn't give a shit. And this, so this guy's awesome. He's a king amongst men. Okay. Only, only outdone by our two-dollar patreons, our mm. five-dollar a month patreons, which mm. I should probably get the list of their names yes, to read out. We read out their name on the internet because this is something we do. You are the leisures, our leisures, our cash liege. Cash liege? Okay. It's, it's like so I, what I are we going, doing here? So Evil One, <laughs> Andrew Potts. Potts. Potts, Potts, Potts. Avi, Avi, Avi Greenbury. Avi Greenbury. Avi, what's Avi short for? A vehicle. Yes. A vehicle, Greenbury. Gary yep. Heather, Andrew Trousdale, Andrew Whitehouse, Matt Ewers, Elizabeth Yunkin, Phil Holland, Morden O'Hare. I wonder <laughs> if Morden O'Hare is Irish or whether I'm just, whether I just, I'm, I'm reading into that. Because yeah, it sounds yeah. like a good Irish name. Like I would, I would, I would write a character called Morden O'Hare and they mm. would be definitely Irish as. They'd probably mm. be a leprechaun with a name like that. Mm hmm. Okay, Lindsay Jenkinson, Steve Eichenhout, Matthew Toy, Ilana Mitchell, and Michael Barnes. Yay! Thank you to those dudes for their five dollars a month. And then down the pointy end, we got people who just is have dudes, more. Is, is dudes just men? How's that work? I don't know how it works anymore. Oh, anyway. it 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 flips. Is it like guys? Is guys is is guys gender neutral now? Are we not? I don't know anymore. Nothing's gender neutral anymore. Okay, all right. 
So humans, so they're, they're our favourite humans. I'm, I'm, I'm making all sorts of terrible politically political missteps. I'm so okay. sorry. That's right. All right. At least, at least you're aware of it. That's not, it's like an alcoholism. Okay. Sorry. Oh, God, we're so close to the end. <laughs> all right. I feel I feel the rage in your blood has dropped down, and now you're just. It's like after you go for a big run or do lots of exercise, the adrenaline, made, ah, adrenaline, and then you're afterwards. You're like, oh, I am burning inside, and I hate everything. You just lie on the ground and cry. Are you at that stage of just lying on the ground and crying? I have soiled myself. <laughs> Good. So now soil other people by insulting them. Okay. So the, the, so the, the top tier is fifteen bucks a month, which is just nuts. Like, yeah. I mean. My employers don't value me that much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, do it. It's great. I mean, lots of money fact, for us. In fact, more people should do it. Yeah, more. Sure, sure. <laughs> the only thing is... We, we do love is, you, though. Um, now we hate you. I couldn't, I couldn't actually come up with any insults this month. What? So I'm just going to compliment everyone. What? Yeah. No, okay. that's not how it works. So Eric Wilson, who said that we didn't have to abuse him. Eric, you are the Barack Obama of podcast listeners. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Al Batson, who also said we don't have to abuse him. You are the David Attenborough of listeners. Okay, hey, that's, can we just go back a little bit? Eric, yeah. what happens Eric is like a card-carrying, really conservative Republican American voter? Well, I'm sure that he appreciates just how impressive it was for a, a, a black man, a minority, to get into a, in, in, into government. And even though he disagrees with his policies, he still appreciates the the, the benefits that that man and the and the, and and the, and the abilities of him to have done such an amazing job. In the same way that you or I might look at mm. Trump and go, "Well, we disagree with his policies, but it's pretty mm. amazing that he became the president of the United States, despite you know <clears throat> being Donald Damn. Trump." Being a billionaire. Well, he didn't. He, he spent much less money than. Uh, what's a what's a what's what's a, what's old uh, Buglelunch called? Clinton, <laughs> Helen Clinton, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> what are you talking? All right, so, Hillary well, Clinton. You realise for another political podcast, we we ha- have a habit of saying this is not a political podcast quite often. But sorry, anyway, sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm I'll stop. Bring right. it up. But no, it was okay. So it, it, right. it was definitely comp- so. And the second and David Attenborough, everyone loves David Attenborough. Okay. So, okay. okay, well done, well done, Al. David Attenborough, amazing. Yeah. Okay, What's- Steve Stewart. Yes, you are the Jeffrey Epstein of listeners. Oh, oh, oh wow! He's a very successful American businessman. If you've oh. never heard of Je- Jeffrey Epstein, oh so, Jesus, great! Holy, wow! Oh, okay, Dad. <laughs> okay, Scott Driscoll, oh. you are the Kevin Spacey of listeners. <laughs> he, he was so good in American Beauty, Seven, The Usual Suspects, amazingly accomplished actor. Oh my God, what Dustin Fallon, you oh. are the Jimmy Savile of listeners. Holy, <laughs> he's a successful oh British entertainer. He's respected for all his charity work, Greg. Oh. Oh, help me. And we welcome back to the top tier, Tom Seary. Tom Seary, you are the Richard Huckle of podcast listeners. I don't even know who that is. Who's Richard Huckle? Ah, he's a very successful child molester. Like, the (laughs) best. Like, when they finally caught him, like, 91 life sentences. So, so... Where, where he was the very best child molester of all child molesters. You, Tom, just like him... Oh. Are the very best podcast listener of all podcast listeners. I, okay. Oh my yeah. god. What are we? What are we doing? 
What's happened? The very best, Greg. Why? Why? I just... I feel that I'm the one who's being damaged more than anyone else. Admittedly, it's not hard for him to be the best of everyone in that list. I mean, look at the competition on that list. Bunch of pedos, a lot of them. <laughs> David Attenborough. Nah, Dustin Fallon, Scott Driscoll, oh, Al okay, Batson right. even. <laughs> no, stop it! Stop it! Don't call people child molesters! You pedos, I said. Pedos. No! That's not even... Oh. I used a colloquialism. It's charming and casual. No, it's not. Oh, what have we done? We're going to lose everyone What have now. we done? What have you done, Gregoire? No, you no. made this cheer. I, I made a throwaway comment and you set it down. Oh, I see. You I set see. this in motion. <laughs> it's meant to Just be like fun. my dengue, my dengue fever, bloody <laughs> Achilles here, my Achilles fever... <laughs> You're all responsible for this mess. Bye. Bye. So thank you very much to all our top tier patrons. <laughs> You're wonderful humans. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my god! It's like we're just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and now we'll see how many people jump. <laughs> I, I, I will consider it a win when these people go back to the $5 tier level. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> and as we always like to say, Grass is a cock! And if at the end, if there's anything you're like, whoa, 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 that was too much, or I probably shouldn't have mentioned my my connection to the Nazis or whatever, then we can cut that out. Okay, cool. Good to right. know. I'll uh, <laughs> go for a talk about the Nazis and then just ask at the end that it's removed. It's all good. That's right. That's right. It's perfect. Always just speak very carefully about the Nazis into the <laughs> live microphone. Or the eye oh, yeah. mafia. The, <laughs> the eye mafia? We don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, see? <laughs> see? Got to take no, that no, no, bit no. out. Surely it would be the I Luminanti. Boo. Oh, come Boo. on. Oh. <laughs> good energy, once again. We always say that. We always put it on, always put it on, um, on Twitter. Really good energy, as in insane. <laughs> we got real hot-blooded real quick. <laughs> Before we started talking on the podcast. <laughs> it's a real good energy, real punchy. <laughs> That's right. With the podcast, it'll take you out the back and slap you in the face. Someone's going to get a king hit. I'm going to punch coward, someone in the back of the coward, head. Coward punched. How dare you f- tell me that? You tell my. T- turn your back and tell me that. <laughs> I watched a, a wonderful little documentary last night, like a short 25 minute thing about Route 66 in America. Oh, yeah. And because I went on a little bit between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and I wasn't aware. So the people said, oh, take Route 66, don't go up the main highway. So I did and had a really good time for that day. And I wasn't aware of how big Route 66 was. I never actually kind of looked beyond my little area that I was sort of driving through. It goes the whole way, goes, doesn't it? It goes all the way to Chicago, yes. L.A., not just L.A., but yes, that area. I can't remember where. But yeah, basically L.A. to to Chicago. So it's this weird kind of – it was like one of the main first main roads when they built the interstate. Yeah, one that's of the first why ones. it was – that's why it's so famous, I thought. Yes, and it's been around it's been, it was been around since the 1920s and then to the 1950s it was decommissioned and I-40 took over. Because it doesn't – when you look at it, it's not like a, a straight line. It's like weirdly meanders because it's all these old roads that have all been repurposed into the Route 66. 
So it's not, and even some parts of it are still just packed dirt. It's not as if it's paved the whole way. It's not like a big highway. Some oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Even today, it's still pay, it's still dirt because <laughs> it was it was as I said decommissioned in 1957 and then fully, totally and utterly removed as a thing in the 1980s. They went, no, 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 no. Route 66 doesn't technically exist anymore, but of course yeah. it does because it's still all the roads a bit are there. They're just not maintained as interstate roads anymore hmm. uh, and it made me go oh i want to i want to drive the whole thing <laughs> can't afford to drive well no no it's not it's not that bad it's just flat packed graded roads i've driven on worse roads for work oh, right. here in western australia as in it's, it's oh, flat. The, uh, yes the the, the built-up metropolis that is western australia yes, that's right well even regional queensland has the same thing sometimes you just go oh it's flat packed dirt roads it's not yeah. it's not like a sandy track it's 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 a road but it's you know it's a road <laughs> but but just all the crazy things that are along there and the the ghost towns and the and the weird like how, how certain groups have had to make money like when i-40 went in and it bypasses as it happens everywhere. The little towns get bypassed, and so mm. all the shops don't get money anymore. And so all these weird attractions that have built up over time. So there's like there's one in Texas, Amarillo, which is come and eat a 72 ounce steak, which is seem, it seemed very big. I don't know what 72 ounces is because it's it's in dumb dumb measurement, uh, but it it was big. Like it was it was like a dinner plate worth of food, and if you can eat the whole thing in under Two an kilos. hour. Jesus. Oh, God, no. Oh, that made me sad. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Oh, my God. But if you eat the whole thing in under an hour with all, all the uh, – I think you have to eat the whole plate of food. Then you get it for free. So it either you either pay a lot or you pay nothing. Is this the, the heart attack grill? Uh, yes. It used to be on Route 66 and now it's on I-40. Like it's not literally on Route sixty six, but it they say it is because who cares? Yeah, I've heard about the heart attack grill. Two people have died of heart attacks <laughs> while eating at the heart attack grill. <laughs> it, it makes it makes sense. They had one guy. I just loved him. He was so great. He was a, a track and field athlete, and he'd hurt himself, and so he was on his comeback. And so he's a big fit unit of a man and he was just hilarious because he was like, oh, I, you know, I was, I was coming back and it was my time to shine and. And I failed. Like I just, I just, I thought I was much fitter than I was. And I couldn't, I couldn't win anything. And I just got beaten on everything. And I realized I was a total failure. And so I had to have a win. So the only win I could have was to eat the seventy-two ounce steak. <laughs> so he went because he, his justification was, I need a lot of protein. So you know, eating meat, that's fine. It's protein. That's good. This is all good. And he and he ate, and he did it with nine minutes to spare. He ate the whole thing. And it's just these pictures of him looking very uncomfortable afterwards and just trying to drink water. And he's drinking water so that it would lubricate his insides so they could get to the toilet faster. And I was like, oh, none of this sounds good. None no. of this is... No, we're, of- we're not... We shouldn't be... Do- Eating competitions are the worst idea ever. Oh, yes, yes. Like, of course. On, from a from a health point of view, absolute fucking nightmare. From a yes. moral standpoint, yes. absolute fucking nightmare. Yes. From a yes. financial point of view, absolute fucking nightmare indeed i agree just everything wrong with it because there was i was thinking i I keep thinking about this woman who was in a radio competition uh which was we for a wee yeah oh yeah don't we for a wee and so they're all sitting around here trying to get a wee and and she wins the competition so that her kids can have a wee console 
And the next day, they've got the Wii console, but they don't have a mum. Yeah. And, because... and, and a nurse rang up during the show and went, right. this is massively dangerous. You've got to call it off. Radio hosts were like, oh, should we have sort of checked about this sort of stuff? Ah, it doesn't matter. Yep. Someone dies. It's that's that's because you're and I, I learned this because fish happens to fish. You put a saltwater fish in fresh water. Osmosis means that the salty insides of the fish in, this, in your cells, the salt comes out of your cell into the water outside, and therefore you don't have enough salts in your body to run your body, and it, the fish dies. Or vice versa, you take a saltwater fish and put it into fresh water. No, the other way around. Freshwater fish put it into salt water. The salty water gets into your cells yeah. and kills you. Yeah. So that kills it. And humans are exactly the same. Yeah. So you um, drink lots of fresh water, and then your cells go, "Oh, great! That's not that's very diluted. But it needs more salt, and you you die." Uh, Heart so, yeah, attack everything. grill owner poses with a quadruple bypass cheeseburger. <laughs> the restaurant Jesus. is known for its hospital theme and triple and quadruple bypass burgers. This burger is to- bigger than his head. Yeah. It might not be the same one, but um, I, I mean, because the one I was saw last night was more cowboy themed. Heart attack uh, grill owner proudly displays dead customers' remains on TV. <laughs> what the fuck, America? Look, they, they know they're in trouble. Uh, okay, the big big Texan steak ranch. There it is. The big Texan steak ranch. That's the one. Anyway, so it's not, it's not just one place. But anyway, beyond that, it looked really interesting as a, as a trip. Not the steak, by the way. That was just one of the things. And lots of people who make their money now just by opening up. Like there's an old lady who lives in an old fire station that's no longer a fire station and you give her money and she'll take you around the old fire station. She's like a hundred million years old and she lived all the way through the depression and she was a little girl in this town and it was not, it was a nothing town and then Route 66 came through and it was suddenly – it was a huge town and now <laughs> it's a nothing town and she's lived the whole time. And I just – I just – all this makes me excited. Every part of that was like, this is the best thing in the world. And it's like, you take three weeks off and just go for a drive, which is like, oh my God, I have to do that. I want to do that now. Just want to go for a crazy drive across America. And it's, it's sort of, it's um, Nevada and, and Texas. And it's, because once again, I forget how America works sometimes, where things are. Because Texas, in my mind, is right down the bottom because it's on the Mexican border. Mm. But it's a big, it's a big state. So it reaches quite a long way up. In, yeah. in my mind, it's, so you cut, you, you go head to the east from Las Vegas, sort of thing, and you suddenly in Texas, I'm like, oh, is that how that works? I, I guess, yeah, I guess it does. I know Americans probably would go, you're an idiot, but it's that whole, oh, that's how America kind of fits together. I'm fascinated it's by the whole. It's really weird. Texas does look like the cod piece of America's underpants, <laughs> protecting Florida, which of course is America's wang. Oh well, uh, Florida's slipped out the side. <laughs> Yes. Well, America – so America wants to show off its giant codpiece but also flash its dick. But that sounds very America. Yeah. That... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not even into America that much. I mean I like America in, in parts and bits and pieces but it's just – I think it feels – that Route 66 thing feels quintessentially American or 20th century American at the mm. very least. It has this kind of – oh, it's almost like if you distill down America in the mid-20th century, post-war America – that it's this is what it is. It's it's the thing that Americans do to embrace America itself, which is yes. it's it's oh I drove Route sixty six. I visited my own country. Yes, yeah, and and it's because because it's from Chicago to L.A. They're very different cities and very different feel. And yeah, it's, it's all it's, this whole thing just kind of feels interesting, exciting, and 
and it's now set up as a i like the fact they've re-embraced it and now it's like a holiday thing as you said and it's it's a it's a way to make money and tourists go there and yeah it's interesting so it's it's almost like a three week long disneyland it's you know what i mean i wonder if they'd agree with that People must be aware of how Americana it is. Like, it can't... You, unless, it, unless it's the way that America actually was in the 60s and 70s. It, maybe it was. I found something interesting about um, uh, Disneyland the other day is that at some point there was a big uh, hippie protest in Disneyland. Thousands of hippies all congregated there and sort of had a sit-in at Disneyland. Yep. And so they had to get the police force to come and inject them. And so there are these incredible black and white photos of, like, Gestapo-like American police officers <laughs> with the dark sunglasses all looking identical, stomping down the streets in formation. You're just like, that is not the happiest place on earth. <laughs> but it's very America. Uh, I, I um, think Disneyland thing I found out, which I thought was funny, they hired a graphic artist, I guess a graphic artist, that's what you call them, to come up with the best colours to to intimate certain things so where certain rides are or where certain amenities are and one of the things they had to design was how to hide things that, that didn't fit into the aesthetic of disneyland things like toilet blocks and bins and that sort of okay. stuff and they came up with a green a green color they could paint everywhere and so that the human brain supposedly just goes oh that's just green and it it doesn't wonder much about the green it just it bounces off your brain and you just keep moving on so you don't see it it's not invisible it's just it's it's designed so you don't you just think it's green and you move on you don't kind of go oh what's a horrible thing over there and they called it no seeum green and that's the that's the name of it now oh no my see- god it's the somebody else's field from hitchhiker's guide to the yes. galaxy yes yes I thought that was really great. But then they said, and so we painted our toilet blocks in it. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. But now you want people to see your toilet blocks. Because when I want to go to the toilet, I don't want to be not knowing where the toilet is. But I guess they mean you can find it, but it's not. Yeah, I don't know. You can look for it. Yes. But if you're not just going to see a toilet block, you won't be offended that humans have to micturate or something. We all Mm. have to poop. Except in Disneyland, where you'll just get the poop kicked out of you by Gestapo police. Yeah, America's nuts. Such oh, yeah, a yeah. big, fascinating place. It's it's a it's a big, wonderful mess. I think a lot of the time. That's the funny thing about it. Thank God Australia is fine in all ways and has no problems on a political, social, or financial level or environmental. Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There ain't no problems going on there. <laughs> <sighs> I just I. Imagine going through life being absolutely assured that all the scientists are wrong and that those couple of people on the websites, like that that 1% of scientists who are trying to sell books, are like, nah, there's no danger from from climate change. Don't worry about it. Imagine never worrying about uh, the apocalypse of the Earth. I I guess it's all swings and roundabouts because you spend most of your time going, oh, the transvestites. Yeah, but... (laughs) I always think that I try and think about the conservative people that I know in real life who who aren't monsters, they're just conservative people, as in politically conservative, and and the way they look at it, which I don't agree with, but their thing is we've always dealt with problems. Problems have always been dealt with. This will just be another problem. Don't worry, it's not a big deal. And and so that's the nicest way I can say of, of putting it and the nicest way they're looking at it. So they're what they're saying is, eh, 
people have always said crazy things about danger. Everyone keeps yelling about the tigers in the grass, but there's, it's never a tiger in the grass. So this time it won't be a tiger in the grass. Because as a conservative person, I look back over history and say, it's always been this way. It'll always be that way. And I disagree with that. If they've painted climate change in no CM green. In, they have. And so that's the hard part where you're like, no, well, when you say, don't worry, it'll all be fixed. My response is, by whom? If you don't, and especially if your next response is, and I don't want to pay for it, so it's not, you're not going to fix it, and you're going to actively stop us from fixing it, so no one's going to fix it. It's not going to fix itself. Well, it will when we all die. But I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've tried to be over the years, last couple of years, I've tried to be very understanding of other people's points of view on lots of different things. And things I don't agree with and, and the bubbles that I'm not part of and all the rest. But that's one I just can't accept anymore. I can't when someone's like, ah, it was climate change is not a thing or climate change. I don't really care or climate change. But what about the job losses or climate change? Yeah, but you still drive a car, blah, blah. You know, all that. Uh, my response is, oh, no, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And we will all die on that hill, actually. <laughs> but... Um, well, it'll be I, more I, of an island by that point. It will be more of an isthmus. <laughs> um, and I have a habit now of saying, no, you, no, you're incorrect. The science is absolutely not on your side. And yes, even if and, – and I'll accept that science is not always right. That's the definition of science, actually. It can change. But even if it's wrong, it's not going to be it's not happening. It's going to be it's not as bad or it's worse than we thought. It's not going to be it's not there. We still have to fix it. Even if we're 50% wrong, let's say we've overemphasized the warming, potential warming by 50%, which is – I don't think that's likely, but you know, let's just say uh, that's still really bad. <laughs> that's something we don't want and I can't work it out. And, and what really gets me about the conservative thinking is – all the conservative organizations that actually have any power are, are doing things in the background. So the American military, which we talked about in the podcast before, and governments are quietly doing things to protect assets. And, and I don't mean conspiracy theory-wise, by the way. I just mean they're like, oh, the water's rising. Or, uh, uh, For example, I'll give you a local example. Where I live, there's a beach nearby – and all these councils are starting to – even though they don't believe in climate change and, you know, that's not a thing and the government's like, oh, no, no, it's fine, mate. No, nah, it's fine. Oh, climate change, that's lefty bullshit. They're also asking for over the next 10 years $220 million to fix up the beaches and put in beach walls. And you're like, hang on a minute, but climate change is not a thing, darling. You keep telling us it's not a thing, yet you also don't want to lose your beachfront property. And you want to put in a giant wall and protect and move and move back houses. There are rich people saying, please move my house back from the beach, council. It's your fault. And you're like, oh, so you know it's happening. It's and like you want cognitive dissonance, to- but with thousands and thousands of brains all in the same organization. Yeah. And so they know they know it's bad and they can see the evidence of it, but they just don't want to pay for it. And that's the part that gets me. And you kind of go, no, 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 we're going to pay for it. We're all going to pay for it. It's going to happen. We have to pay it's yeah i mm. or you know what'll happen is one day when the waters rise and civilization gets bad we're gonna go into people's houses rich people's houses take all their shit and eat them eat them eat the rich we're gonna eat the rich 72 ounces of rich people yum anyway i just called for the violent dissolution of the rich by the way on a open mic oh well <sighs> yeah ah uh, look 
All mics are open mics. This is 2019. Every year, it's all listening to you. I heard a great thing. I heard a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, Heidi, that Google's listening to you on your phone or, you know, people talk about they they have a conversation and then the next next day on the internet, on Facebook, it puts up a Facebook ad about a thing. We were talking about getting a dog and then suddenly there was ads (laughs) for dog food. Dog barbecue, yeah. Dog barbecue. Uh, (laughs) But it's, it's total crap. It doesn't happen. But... It's been. It's not. It's not a thing. It's. It's. A, there's a lot of psychology there, and anyway, but it's not. They're not actually listening. But a programmer. I was reading about a programmer who worked for uh, a big corporation company, tech company, and he went, no, 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 no one's listening to you like that. No, 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 no. As in, he said, they don't need to. You've been giving your data to them for years on all the apps, which they it, it knows you better than you know yourself. So don't worry. If you see something that's cool, that's because you've been telling it what you like for the last 10 years, and the AI can work out what you like. So, yeah, we don't have to listen to you. You've been typing in everything, every text message, every email, everything you put out there. It's just farmed information about you. And I went, oh, God. <laughs> A lot of we like, oh, thanks for that face app that makes you look old. That's great. Like, we can now recognize the difference between old people and young people. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Anyway, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's free. It's all free. <laughs> Gives me the giblies. I didn't, with that one, the face app, I didn't even, I didn't download it. I looked at it and went, oh, I know what I look like getting older because I've, I, I've looked in the mirror every day of my goddamn <laughs> life. I don't. I know what I'm going to look like when I'm older. I don't need to. It must be a fascinating thing for young people to go. What will I look like when I'm old? And you're like, well, you'll get there, darling. <laughs> you're you're going to get there. Uh, no, I, I I look at those apps and I'm like, I don't want to give anyone any more data on me. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, there is that. There is, there is that. And the funny thing was, maybe made me laugh a lot. So the app came out and everyone had their pictures and here's my face and I was having put on Facebook having a grand old time. And I sat back going. You know this is going to blow up in your face. I mean, literally, <laughs> like this is this is not going to end well for anyone. And about three days later, it's like this uh, uh, this information is sent directly to this weird Russian company who is not transparent because they don't have to be. So it was, it was that fast. It milkshake yeah. yeah. itself in forty eight hours. And, and, and it, all- didn't it do it like like eighteen months ago? It, it, everyone got really excited about it's like it's a an oil painting or something. What do you look like as an oil painting? It's like, that's the, what it was. It was the, yeah. yeah going yeah. back. And, forth. and then two days later, all these websites were like, Hey, all this information is going to this crazy company and yeah. you're, you're giving away all your data. It's the same f- company. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. Well, you, then, everyone just fell for the same f- trick again. Yeah. And then the people, and then I love how it justifies all the people who put something. Cause I, I sort of went, Oh, by the way, so, you know, here's a, here's a, the conversation.com.au talk about why we shouldn't do this. And everyone got angry. People, no one said, oh, cool, thanks for that. I'll have a read. Oh, that's interesting. Everyone, not everyone. Some people got really annoyed with me going, well, Greg, yeah, well, I don't care. They got all my information anyway. Ah, I'm, I'm not a, yeah, whatever, man. And you're like, okay, cool. You'll care when they put you in a f-ing concentration camp, oh, were you? It's not, it's not even that. I just. You think going, the Jews weren't using a facial aging <laughs> software back in 1928? Thinking, oh, what could, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> the Holocaust, Greg. I'm talking about the Holocaust. Why? How did we get here? We so haven't cool. even started the podcast yet. We are, and Godwin's law is cracked and shattered <laughs> on the floor. 
What I love about Goldwyn's Lord now is it used to be people would go, oh, why did you mention Nazis? Nazis aren't a thing. And now it's like, no, no, they're just in the streets. They're just, they're running countries. Don't worry about it. You can't help. Is Goldwyn's Lord still a thing? Because, you know, when you talk about politics, you're like, no, there are literal Nazis who want to march and feel it's their, their God-given right to march them down streets. You're like, oh, hi. Hmm. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm sad. <laughs> Sounds like someone's miswired. <laughs> Human emotion is strange and weird. Uh, anyway, should we do this thing? Yeah, we should. Welcome to episode 154 of Smart Enough to Know Better. My blood is already hot. <laughs>